0: Welcome to the Church of Roy, a Sports Drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language, and we're here are your hosts, Ryan Wilcox and Steve DeWald.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the newest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, Steve DeWald, and I just want to apologize right off the bat. I uh, My voice is still recovering. I went to the Timbers game on Saturday and uh, cheered extra hard. was not the result we wanted at the end, but was still an amazing experience. So I'm gonna do the best I can. I have some hot teas, some some kombucha trying to nurse my voice back to health, but that's my piece. As always, who who also actually has a blown out voice as well, is my my co-host. Uh, Brian Wilcox, Brian, how are you doing? You did a a, a Broncos Avalanche doubleheader the other day, so you know I, we're both we're both you know this is great podcasting.
1: Yeah, yeah, my voice is a little rough too. Um, Broncos game, and then just immediately walked to Ball Arena to take in an Avs game, nice. and uh, I'm I'm having a glass of red wine. Hopefully that brings me back to life and my and my voice voice as well. A little different uh
2: tactic, but either, I have nothing to lose you're probably going to feel better. I mean, you might not sound better, but you'll feel better after a little red wine. That's usually Mm -hmm. what I find. Um, So last week we kind of took a deep dive into the Neil O'Shea Exodus. We kind of playfully joked around about Joe Cronin and the the mess he's inheriting. And then Mm -hmm. we got to hear Joe Cronin speak in front of the camera, in front of the media, Um, a really, you know, actually welcome press conference, and we'll get into you know was it really welcome or is the bar really low? But you know it was nice. It was nice to to see some of the new faces with the Blazers. It's also crazy to think of the three gentlemen that were on the on the stage on the podiums um, during that press conference. Uh, Chauncey Billups is the longest tenured person of that trio. Um, Obviously, we're talking about Chris McGowan's replacement. We're talking about Neil O'Shea's replacement and Joe Cronin, our de facto replacement. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, Chauncey Phillips. So, I was honestly, like, I initially, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Anything's going to be better. But, like, the more I've thought about what Joe Cronin said in that interview, the more I've kind of been impressed. And I'm actually, you know, oddly enough, a little hopeful, so, Brian, before we get into the quotes, what's your overall feeling after kind of seeing some of the sound bites that came out of that, that press conference?
1: Yeah, I sat there and watched the whole thing. And, you know, the first thing about Joe Cronin is he's not necessarily a outwardly, you know, gregarious, overly charismatic guy. But you hear him talk and he's like kind of a very warm, humble um, and, and charismatic in his own way. And I, I really enjoyed Um, hearing him talk up there. You mentioned it was a pretty low bar, which it was, but he sounded like a guy who's going to have a completely different approach to his job and a completely different approach to the media and the way he um, communicates his ideas and and where he believes the roster's at than his predecessor, which we all know is extremely welcome. And uh, yeah, I, I was actually, I came away pretty impressed and I think he might have a better shot at hanging on to that thing than I initially thought. I thought it'd be a very short-term, keep the seat warm. But yeah. I think he might at least – I think they'll give him a fair shake at it.
2: Yeah, I, I think with me, he struck me as someone who has learned every step of the way. He's learned from everybody he's ever served under. Mm-hmm. Um, the, every staff he's been on, obviously, he's a long-term Blazers guy. And when you're talking about media, media interaction specifically, I hope and I'm optimistic that he's picked up a lesson of what did Neil O'Shea gain by being overly combative with the media? And really, you know, he was a, a, the Blazers' GM for 10 years or president of basketball operations, largely tied to uh, Chad Buchanan picking out Damian Lillard before, you know, as he was arriving. Neil Shea's demeanor did not benefit him at all at the end of the day, and eventually, I think accelerated, accelerated or led to his his departure, his removal from his position. So, I think Joe Cronin is someone who's picked up on that lesson. It's also nice to hear someone not have to like defend past decisions yeah. and and really talk about his vision for the roster, admitting some of its faults, and you know. Hearing him say, you know, he has permission from ownership to, you know, act as an gen- acting general manager, find deals. Obviously, like, if it's a big deal, he's got to take it to the one-yard line is what he said and, and get uh-huh. ownership approval, whether that's Burt Cold or or Jody Allen. Um, so it was nice to hear some of that. It was also kind of funny to hear, the, and I didn't even think to put it together, but the connection he has with Chauncey Billups going back to high school basketball, that was kind of a – a humanizing moment its one of the more humanizing moments in a press conference, which I don't want to get too much into the Chauncey Billups things, but like it, it was more humanizing for Chauncey Billups than anything that Neil O'Shea ever attempted to do in his disastrous press conferences with Chauncey Billups. So again, very low bar, but you know, I, I at least think that there is, there is some fresh blood. There's some vision here um moving forward. um yeah, If you were to, he, he, he struck a good balance, I think, of
1: admitting that you know, he wasn't sitting there saying that this is all on the coach. This is not a flawed roster. And he was like, yeah, you know, we are need to enhance this roster and improve. But I thought he did a good job of uh, threading the needle between being realistic but not just pissing off everybody in a drill his uniform by throwing mm-hmm. them under the bus. So yeah. he, he seemed like a very – like he knows what he's doing out there. I thought he conducted himself extremely well. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually – hoping that he's willing to go out in front of the camera a little more often than Neil did. He rarely made himself available, as we all know. And every time he did, it was it was a disaster. So that's probably why. But he emphasized <laughs> that communication was so crucial. And, you know, as he's going around the organization and, and kind of checking the pulse on the culture and what they can do better, he really emphasized communication. So I hope that this kind of new front office group understands that, You know, there's some bridges that can be mended if he can get out there and, you
0: know, just put on a good face and and, and talk about this team a little more than Neil did. It's not every day you can double your money, but with MyBookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With MyBookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at mybookie.ag and use the promo code SPORTSDRINK, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. The Patriots are taking on the Bills this Monday night as they continue their quest to reclaim the AFC East title. Buffalo has looked like a legit Super Bowl contender, however, look for them to cover the spread. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using promo code SportStrength at my... Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824, Terms and Conditions Apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to my Bookie, That's promo code SPORTSDRINK to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, I think what we have to remember and something I was jealous of, you know, often when I'm at these summer league gatherings with other people who cover their respective teams is this relationship with a GM doesn't have to be like this weird, like you said, like it's like this wizard of Oz thing where he's behind a curtain. He only Mm -hmm. appears every once in a while and it's like super combative when he does. And then you like look at the relationship that a site like the Denver Stiffs had built with the Nuggets ownership where, you know, you have, you know, members of that front office showing up to media gatherings and like Denver Stiffs apparel, like, Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have to be, you know, how it was. And hopefully I'm not asking for it like I'm not expecting it to be, you know, significantly better at that level. I mean, relationships are developed, trust is earned. But um, you know, certainly I hope it's better. The other thing that really hit home for me was after the press conference, uh, Ben Falk, who worked in the Blazers front office, um and, and went on to work in other organizations, he's the person behind cleaning the glass, he's Mm -hmm. really sharp when it comes to analytics and he's really sharp about explaining the game to other people and how analytics play a part in that. But Ben Falk who worked with Joe Cronin really talked about Joe Cronin was really supportive in a job where it is very much like a bunch of alphas, a bunch of sharks, you know, usually your success is dependent on like, stamping down other people it's not really a place <laughs> right. where you can really find like you know the rising tide raises all ships like it's not really a place where you find that mentality and it sounds like joe cronin ran very counter to that and was very supportive and, and really was you know what you learn will help me learn and, and it's you know i'm hoping that it will fix some of the the rumor like i don't have firsthand experience but Mm-hmm. Some of the things that have been going wrong with the Blazers under Neil Olsh, I'm hoping we're on the right direction.
1: Yeah, I certainly got that vibe coming out of it. We'll see if he can stick around, but I thought it was very, um, his best, even though it wasn't a press conference, Steve, it was a conversation, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, it was it a was good, it was a good conversation. I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. Um, so. You know, I wish everything was going well, but it's not. So let's talk about the Blazers. So um, they still have not won since we last talked. Um, effort has been better, but the results have been the same. Um, the defense is still struggling, but there are some things that are, have gone on with the roster. Um, first, real quick off the court, Damian Lillard, uh, you know, really – spoke out and reaffirmed his commitment to Portland. So that I think has tamped <laughs> down some trade speculation. We haven't seen that success translate to the court. Um, there's still kind of some tension between maybe these players and the coaching staff, something we've heard about, but you know, Damian Miller definitely sounds like he's someone in it for the long haul with the Blazers. Um, on the roster itself, CJ McCollum suffered. I can't believe exactly what they called it, but it's basically a collapsed lung um, I haven't really read a firm timeline for his return, but I've heard it's anywhere from two weeks to a month. So the Blazers, again, are going to be without CJ for, you know, a stretch of games uh, when they really need him. And the other thing on the roster too is Robert Covington has continued to kind of, you know, not only was his play not too sharp to start the season, but now it seems like it's kind of fallen out of favor or, or this cold streak has gotten to the point where, they're going to start adjusting the starting lineup. Uh, Larry Nance Jr., uh, you know, the Robert Covington type edition of this last offseason um, is now inserted into the starting lineup. Um, still early, but let's start with, let's start with Robert Covington and Larry Nance Jr. Because I think CJ and Dame's situation is pretty much self-explanatory. Um, we'll get to CJ stuff a little bit, but what do you make of the Nash Jr., Robert Covington swap? Do you like it, or or is some a little off still?
1: I think it's worth a shot. I mean, Covington has been so rough this year, and it's not just the box score numbers. It's, it's the eye test, too. He just continues to look slow and almost a little disengaged, and I kind of wonder if when Chauncey's calling out effort, if Roko isn't one of the first guys that come to mind, frankly, just from what I can see, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily love the fit with Nance and Nurk in the front court. I think mm. Nance is much more valuable offensively when he's down low and and cutting into the paint. And you know he's got that nice little flip from the block, a little, little jump hook that that goes in way more often than it should. It seems like it's always catching rim. It always drops. Mm. So to me, offensively, it's a little clunky. I like it. I think. At this point, at the rate that they're losing games, you might as well give something a shot, and if they're gonna do it, let's give it a little time and see if it can you know if they can maybe learn to play with each other but um I don't know it, it is a little more effort looks like out there
2: so I'd say that's a positive I mean when you say clunky, what I really think of is like the the positive side is like when nurk and Nance are at their best offensively, really they're doing a lot of the same things they're yep. they're yep. secondary facilitators you want them creating from the low block. Neither one of them are true floor spacers from the five position. I mean, both kind of have that shot in their bag now, but it's not something we see them regularly go to. Um, so yeah, when you put them on the floor together, it does make spacing a little weird. Um, you're going to automatically push one guy a little further out of his comfort zone. And you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice that. And I kind of agree with you. Let's take a shot here. Um, I think it's a certain point, especially when you're struggling is just put your best players on the floor and see if something sticks. And I think that's what this feels like. Um, The Robert Covington situation, you know, I did not see this, how, how it went. I think when he arrived here, obviously like we all learned through last season, there were some things he couldn't do, but you know, something we talked about last week is, like, I, I just thought he was a player that fits in automatically, does a little bit of everything. And, and I never really worried about what his role was going to be because he really didn't have one. He just kind of fit and played off other people defensively, offensively. Um, it's really cratered this season. And to see him be, you know, a net negative on offense and sometimes on defense has just really been a a shock to me. And you know, talk about poor timing when we talk about the next thing, which is you know the the trade market is heating up, and obviously the Trailblazers, um, due to all the instability that's gone on, are a frequent topic. I mean, mainly because you have Damian Lillard on your roster, who whether or not he's available, which we don't think he is, after the comments he made that we mentioned earlier, but Mm -hmm. you know. Obviously, Portland should be feeling some pressure to build around him. So there, there were some reports this week uh, from from good sources, and it came from multiple places. But basically, Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic um, are rumored to be available. Both are on one-year deals expiring. Money. Who of those two first? Who do you think, as of right now, is going to generate? more trade value or could potentially net you a real asset of those two guys?
1: Even though Covington's really struggled, I still think he's the guy, just because I think he still comes with that label of the 3 and D, a little bit more valuable. You can plug him into more lineups. Um, I struggle to see if good fit with Nurk anywhere. I don't know who's going to, you know, especially on a one-year rental, who's just going to try to slot in this big – bosnian into their starting lineup for the rest of the year just i just don't really see a good fit so i, I would say probably roco you, you, you know maybe someone just takes a flyer on him, gets portland out of luxury tax and they think hey maybe we can kind of resurrect this guy for the
2: last half of the year for you know a little stretch run yeah i i agree i think when you get to the postseason you always need those lengthy defenders you need guys who on paper can can be a 3-and-D player. Um, whether or not Robert Covington is still bad is, is debatable. Certainly yeah, doesn't I'm, look that way this season. I'm not saying it's going to get a great no, asset back. I just no, think it's more no. likely. <laughs> no, I, and I agree. I think he's a, the more logical trade piece where someone could be like, hey, Robert Covington would fit into our roster like this. The problem yeah, with Nurk yeah. is, like you said, finding a team that really relies on a post-dominant traditional center is kind of few and far between. And the team's – that do utilize them typically already have them and they're already playing. Like you could look at a team who's looking for a little insurance or someone to play seventeen, eighteen minutes a night. Like just look at like how Utah's kind of resurrected Hassan Whiteside's mm-hmm. career this year is because he's basically coming in and playing the Rudy Gobert role. Um at times has looked better than Rudy Gobert this year, which is crazy to think about, especially coming from me who um Hate. White Side hater Cannot stand watching Hassan Whiteside play. Um, so you, you think of the teams that could potentially need a player like that. I mean, you know, the Sixers come to mind, and a couple of other teams. There's really not a lot.
1: Um, and when you take so, when you take Nurkic's past history, walking out of a Nuggets game and and some of the shit he's pulled in Portland, you know, late in playoff games, and I just don't think he's been humbled like Whiteside to where he'd be able to happily take a backup center role I think he still views himself very much as a starter in this league and might not be afraid to show his displeasure if he wasn't so I think that's another potential roadblock for a NERC trade
2: yeah I mean NERC is definitely I would still feel like at a different point in his career than Hassan Whiteside Um, obviously he's not gone through a series of minimum contracts and being an afterthought on a you know not just a, like a decent team, but an afterthought on like a terrible team. Yeah. So um, I don't think – I think Nurk just kind of needs, one, something to change here in Portland a little bit or or needs to get to a situation where he does have to prove it a little bit more, but it's in like a positive, constructive atmosphere, and hopefully he can get that. Yeah. Um, Agreed. I, I don't know what you get for either one of them. Now, where it does get interesting is when you're talking about them in tandem, where you're talking about just a little over 20 million in salary, um, you can go out and get a legitimate player. Now, the question is what, what do you have to attach to really get a quality player to a salary structure like that? So the obvious, you know, on the roster currently uh, of trade sweeteners or, or trade centerpieces, really, when you're talking about these two players is Anthony Simons, who's clearly, taken that next step is is on his development arc this year and then this year little who's taken a leap going into the season and or you have what first round picks you have which you do have a first round pick committed to the bulls now through the larry nance trade so it is kind of hard to piece together that trade where you're going to go out and get a legitimate player of the three assets, or I guess of the two assets, of Anthony Simons and this year Little, and I say assets just because of the trade things. I the trade market, uh, obviously, I view these these two players as men, as people. Uh, obviously, not assets, but when we're talking trade talk, we will use that term. Um, I uh, I guess who do, who would. Upset you more to see them leave at this point? Uh, would
0: it be Anthony Simons or, or Nasir Little? It's not every day you can double your money, but with MyBookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With MyBookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at MyBookie.ag and use the promo code sportsdrink, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. The Patriots are taking on the Bills this Monday night as they continue their quest to reclaim the AFC East title. Buffalo has looked like a legit Super Bowl contender, however, look for them to cover the spread. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using promo code SPORTSDRINK at MyBookie. That's promo code SPORTSDRINK to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. Church of Roy has a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you're in cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com. That's www.symbol.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code SD to make your first deposit risk free. Hey guys, it's Perry here to tell you all about the brand new app we've been using here on the Church of Roy called Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is a live audio only platform that is free to download and super easy to use. You can talk to sports fans, insiders, athletes, and even executives all in real time. And hey, the Church of Roy will be there bright and early on Saturdays at 8 a.m. Pacific. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app in the iOS or Android app store. Get it done, peeps.
1: Nah, so I don't think it's very close. Um, just because of his length and athleticism. Um, we, we have enough six, three guards on the roster who can who can put the ball in the hoop. So uh, I think Noss is a, and even, you know, moving forward a couple of years out, like I think that while Simons might have a higher ceiling offensively, I just think that Noss' ability to, I mean, every team needs a big athletic wing. who can shoot a bit and rebound it. He's just a guy that you don't want to give up, right? Unless you absolutely have to to facilitate a deal, so. I think that Noss is the guy at the higher trade value, but Ants is certainly on the rise with his improved play this year.
2: Yeah. It's another one where you kind of just have to find the right team. And, mm-hmm. and it comes back to the Roko thing. It's like projecting Nasir Little's fit on other teams, you know, you, you cast a wider net when you're talking about, you know, a guard in a, in a guard heavy league right now. Like everybody has mm-hmm. good guards or everybody has guards that they like for their team to find a suitor for Anthony Simons as that real kind of trade sweetener um, is a little bit harder. And plus you have to just think about the tr- contract situation as well. Like Ant is going to be looking for an extension um, in the near future. And it's not like you're going to get a trial run. I mean, yes, you're going to very much like Toronto um, happened with Gary Trent Jr. Is you're, you're going to get to eliminate some other people out of the market. I mean, you're going to get, a chance to match that contract, but a lot of teams aren't ready to commit that much more money, and especially the Blazers. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if they – I think they would happily commit to Anthony Simons with a little bit of roster tweaking, but at that point you're talking about Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Norman Powell, and Anthony Simons all potentially on decently-sized deals. I mean, two huge deals in CJ and Damian Lillard, so – you know, it does become a problem, and other teams can probably sense that. Um, so it will be interesting to see how they navigate that. I guess that – so of the teams that that appear to be active, I, I think we kind of agree that – and through the reports that we're seeing, um, the Pacers are clearly looking to do something. Um, <laughs> strip down their roster is what it looks like. Throw um, yeah. Blow it up. Uh, ben Simmons still very much available for the Sixers. They could be looking to make a change, um, and then also the Detroit Pistons uh, yeah. clearly have a couple timelines. Um, there's a couple names. Obviously Ben Simmons, we've talked about a whole bunch, so we're not going to go through that all over again. Um, but for the Pacers, Demontis Sabonis, a name that should excite every Blazer fan just by the name alone. Now fit. I think Miles Turner probably fits better with the Blazers, but we'll get into that. Um, and then with the Pistons, you have Jeremy Grant, also was on Team USA with Lillard this last summer. Um, that appears to be available. Most of those guys, especially Sabonis and Jeremy Grant, are both in that twenty million salary range, which does align with, uh, you know, the Nurkic roco combination of salaries now with the pacers you probably have to be a little bit more careful because i that team is definitely not going to pay the luxury tax so you're gonna have to find a way to take a little more salary back but brian of those kind of names of those teams am i missing anybody as far as teams that you assume will be active at the trade deadline this year
1: I think you got most of them. I think the Lakers always try to get their noses and stuff that, that don't have the assets to, you know, actually do anything. Yeah. But you always hear about them. Um, the Hawks, another one. I think a report came out, and I don't. he's from multiple sources. Once again, these things kind of aggregate up, right? But um, Cam Reddish, I think, is on the table for a first-round pick, which might be interesting to some teams.
0: Yeah. And
1: so they're they're kind of a, a team that's underperformed and are probably looking for a little um, roster, you know, adjustment. And then the Celtics would be another one, just because I think they're sitting at 500 or so. And I have a hard time believing they'd break up that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown combination. But, you know, it hasn't always been super harmonious there with those two in, on the court. And so, you know, you never know. They might they might surprise some people, or at least maybe it's, maybe it's more of like a Marcus Smart type move or something like that. Yeah.
2: I mean, in regards to the Celtics, it's like not only is it hard for me to believe, like you, that they would break up that tandem, especially right now at this point in their careers, mm-hmm. but it's also hard for me to imagine the Blazers have any sort of asset trove to get in the discussion for either one of those players, especially Tatum. But I don't even think the Blazers have enough to really have a meaningful discussion for Jalen Brown because I think there's a lot, a lot of suitors for Jalen Brown-type players. It would, it would take Dame, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's off the table. Yeah. Um, as far as the, the Hawks go, yeah, I, I think they have a consolidation trade to make. They have a lot of young wings. They have a lot of young assets that are obviously not. It's hard to develop all of those players at once. Like you're going to have to kind of just shift towards veterans at some point in certain spots. Um, Cam Reddish is a super interesting player. I, you know, I know he's gotten better and there's been some good buzz about him, but like I have never been more unimpressed by a prospect than Cam Reddish during his hoop summit. Uh, I remember that. <laughs> like, like I would, I would watch, I went to several Team USA practices that week. I went to the game, obviously, and I would lose track of him for extended amounts of time just because he was, you know, it was just not impressive. There was just so many other players to watch on that team. Um so it is kind of weird to see that kind of come full circle for me personally. Um, Sabonis is the one I keep coming back to, mainly because his father is one of my all-time favorite players. I'm also a huge Gonzaga fan. So, like, obviously I have a huge bias here. Um, does Demonis Sabonis, is he a great fit for Portland? Probably not. Like, he doesn't really address any of the problems. But what he is, is an all-star. And he would be the, the first all-star Dame is going to play with near his prime, we're not going to count Carmelo here, um, that Dame would play with since LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, I, I think he does a lot of the things NERC does well when NERC's playing at the best of his game. Uh, I think Sabonis could, needs a, could need a little bit of a scenery change. You know, why not Portland? And, you know, I think it gets interesting because the money kind of works. I think there has to be additional assets because I think Sabonis is going to have a lot of suitors. Um as far as tacking on extra salary, I am obsessed, like weirdly obsessed with O'Shea Brissett. Uh came out of Syracuse, he's deep on the roster, hasn't really got a lot of minutes for the Pacers this year. Bet you didn't think it was going here on this podcast. Yeah, let me Google. Let
1: me let me but, Google.
2: But he's a guy who got a lot of run at the end of last season and was just a double double machine when the Pacers just kind of needed a body. And and I think he's just being underutilized in, in Indiana. So there, there's just some interesting pieces, some young players that you can kind of cobble together a trade. But really, it comes down to what we talked about when we started talking about these trade packages Is the Blazers have the salary in Robert Covington and Yusuf Nurkic. But unless they find someone who loves either one of those players, you're going to have to put together that other asset to make a trade work. And really, you know, with the Bulls pick being protected you'd either have to get permission from the bulls. You'd have to adjust that, that protection, Actions, right? yep. which, which they have really, there's no incentive for them to do it unless you can somehow sweeten the deal it, or, or it has to be a pick after like 2028. 20, so like, that's not really going to, not real attractive, not, not great when you're talking about, it. so you really are coming down to Anthony Simons and, and this year little, um, I don't know if that's enough to, to net a relatively young big man. Still going into his prime years, that's not far removed from an all-star game. So,
1: I, I could get over some of those fit issues to see a Sabonis mm-hmm. back in Portland. You know, this this season has been a little, little light on a uh, joy, and yeah. getting getting a Sabonis back in Portland would be fun as hell, man. So, uh,
2: you yep. and I and I
1: honestly think he'd be a little easier to build around kind of the margins than maybe a Nurk. I think he's just a, you know, he he definitely has some some limitations especially defensively but uh, you know offensively he's pretty valuable he's had to play with you know another large center for you know the vast majority of his career so i think he slots in his natural position at the five you could Mm -hmm. find some i think even like you know a nos if you're able to hang on to him in the trade which probably wouldn't like a (laughs) hyper athletic four next to him who you know wouldn't totally clog the paint all the time i think it'd be good luck for him so Mm -hmm. Whether we can even get in that conversation yeah. is something that Joe Cronin will be up late at night yeah. wondering about,
2: probably. We just got to hope Joe Cronin was, like, super nice to, you know, <laughs> all the Pacers guys that used to be with the Blazers when he hired on. So, like, hopefully, hey, hey, like, yeah. he's just – I mean, you know, Joe Cronin, hopefully it just – not only was he kind to the people below him, but he was also kind to his bosses. So, hopefully, maybe they cut his, him a break. His first call was
1: uh, to Chad Buchanan. Chad Buchanan so. he, he he mentioned and. You know, he didn't say it, but maybe he's calling about some bonus. Maybe he's yeah. all in. I don't
2: know. No, it was not a congratulations call. <laughs>
1: yeah. He wasn't, asking, work. he wasn't asking for advice. He was asking for Arvitas' son
2: Yeah, for exactly. for a light trade package as a, as a little favor. You know, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I think moving it's past the favorite. Pacer, let, let, let's circle to Jeremy Grant, who I think Jeremy Grant is like an ideal fit next to Dame. Like I, I think just – like on paper, when Jeremy Grant is healthy, playing well, um, not taking a ton of shots, um, not a high-volume shooter, more of like what we saw in his previous stops with Denver, not necessarily with with uh, the Pistons. Um, mm-hmm. What he can do defensively, I think, just fits so much better with what uh, Chauncey Billups is trying to do, um, if Chauncey Billups actually has a plan. Um, I think it makes sense to have Jeremy Grant. Um, and I think there is like they're both Jeremy Grant and Damon Loder are both on the same timeline, which I think could be, could be nice. But it's another one of those ones where like every team that's trying to legitimately win this year could use a Jeremy Grant. Most teams can put together $20 million in salary. And it just kind of like, again, comes down to what is that other asset going to be? Because a name we haven't mentioned is Larry Nance Jr., who some reports are saying now, I, I think – Jake Fisher and Bleacher Report is saying, you know, there is some interest in Larry Nance Jr. But then you're talking about bumping that salary number up to $30 million instead of $20 million. And then we start getting into that tricky situation where we watched for a few years, the Blazers try to move $30 million in a trade, and it just never really worked out. Um, They they ended up sitting on the Hassan Whiteside contract at the deadline. So
0: um,
2: what do you make of Jeremy Grant? And do you think the Blazers can get legitimately try to get in the running for him if he is available?
1: They might be able to. I think he's
2: probably a more attainable target.
1: He's definitely miscast as like the number one. He came out in his first year, I believe two years ago, with Detroit, kind of like gangbusters, shooting really well. And and, uh, I think he's probably closer to the player he was on the Nuggets than he is, you know, as like the featured option. But. I think, you know, he'd certainly help this team without a doubt. I think the Pistons don't really have a ton of use for him with their timeline. So I think he's the guy that you'd have a little more luck snagging than than a Sabonis for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, I agree with you. And I think who knows what Detroit wants. And they're a team that you know yes they have killian hayes on that team but like mm-hmm. his start to his nba season or nba career has been a little rough to say the least um when you're talking about a perfect backcourt partner for a guy like kade cunningham anthony simons really fits that bill because i think it allows both of those players to play to their strength and i don't know if i, I mean there's people who make a lot more money or are a lot smarter when it comes to basketball but like I would imagine someone has been able to draw that line or certainly create that connection because I think that's a backcourt I want to see. I think it's a dynamic backcourt on both ends of the floor because of the strengths and weaknesses. They really counter each other for both those players. Um, and when you're talking from a size standpoint, if Ant's playing a true number one position and Kate is at that number two guard spot, you're talking about a lot of size and a lot of athleticism in that backcourt. So, you know.
1: I would I'd totally agree with you. Perfect perfect uh guy to play with if you're Simon's in the starting lineup. Then you look at you know, this next draft, there's a lot of size at the top with guys mm-hmm. like Holmgren and Jabari Smith and and Banchero from from uh Duke. And mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe you're you're essentially kind of waving the white flag probably on Killian Hayes at that point, which might be early for a guard in the league. Um but he could be your third guard coming off the bench, find those two guys. And then you slot a little Chet on that (laughs) team. And then maybe you got something going. So I, I, you know, to your point, I I think that Simons could actually have some trade value. And I think Portland's would be more willing to throw him in a deal.
2: I think on, on paper, I think Detroit's kind of one of those teams that kind of makes actually kind of makes a little sense for Anthony Simons. I mean, Mm -hmm. it depends on where you sit on the Killian Hayes spectrum of things. Um, I I like that trade package, but again, I I think of another team with a little bit better asset package steps up and says, you know what, we want to roll the dice on Jeremy Grant. You know, I I think the Blazers offer could get beat. Um, So I think that's just kind of where they stand. I mean, obviously CJ McCollum and his availability and what his trade market is, is kind of the elephant in the room when it comes to all this. Um, It just feels weird talking about trading him, especially his current situation with, being injured and what his value is and just mm-hmm. selling low. and But really, I think we're at the point where do we realistically think that CJ McCollum's value can get any higher based on where his salary sits? Um, I personally think probably not. Uh, Brian, I, I would assume you agree.
1: I'm totally in the same boat. Um, yeah. yeah, his injury certainly doesn't help. Talking about injuries, though, something neglected to mention on Jeremy Grant was mm-hmm. that he is out six weeks or so with the thumb injury. So if there's a team looking for an immediate shot in the arm, he might not be, you know, the first no. option. But if you're Portland at this point, are <laughs> yeah. looking at a season that's kind of kind of creeping away from you. Mm, you know, yep. maybe maybe you can afford to wait on him six weeks and it and you kind of just shift to the next two years he has on his deal or three.
2: Yeah, I, I do feel like a Jeremy Grant trade just because of that and the direction it could lead and, and probably how you need to implement and integrate him into the system. And I think anytime you're trading basically two starters in, in a trade midseason with a rookie head coach, you're talking about an off-season that probably needs to be in place to really fully integrate all those changes. Um, so, yeah, I, I do feel like a, a major trade – like this, especially for a little bit different style of player in Jeremy Grant, mm-hmm. you're basically kind of kicking the season down the road a little bit. Um, maybe something can happen. I do think Sabonis, if he came in, I, I, you could see him slotting into a lot of what they're asking Nurk to do, and maybe there isn't a lag time there. But still, like it's going to be not, not, yeah. not ideal. What are your um,
1: – uh, what just what's your general feeling as far as what this team – you know, can do or will do. You know, when you really just look at the players, the contracts, kind of the landscape. How are you feeling about this? Do you think we're going to see much action?
2: I, I think they'll find a way to move, if not both, but one of Yusuf Nurkic and/or Robert Covington. Um, I just have a sneaky suspicion, and I don't know this. You know, we're with a new GM. We haven't learned how Joe Cronin's going to try to operate. Um, but, like, if this was still Neil, I would say they'll make, like, a trade with the Kings and we'll get something weird back, you know? like, Kings, like The classic Kings trade. Like, they're, they're like I, I don't know what exactly it would look like, but it'll probably be a team we're not thinking about. It'll probably be a player that we haven't thought about in a couple of years. But who knows what, what this could be? Who knows how risk-adverse Joe Cronin is or, or is he – willing to really roll the dice and really try to not only just hang on to this interim GM spot, or is he going to try to win this interim GM spot? And I think he's in a position now, especially like if he continues to conduct himself in the way that he has, like how we led this podcast, he might earn some equity here, especially if he makes a forward looking trade, he might kind of get a pass for the season because the the framework is there for him to get a pass just because of how terrible uh, Neil O'Shea kind of ran things the last few months and how this team got off to its start. So maybe he is a little riskier and maybe it is something that we haven't seen before, but until I really see how Joe Cronin actually operates, it's hard for me to guess because after 10 years of really closely following this team and following the types of moves Neil Shea made, you kind of get a pattern of what he, Mm -hmm. who he talks to what type of assets he goes after. Um, No, we got a relatively clean slate here. I mean, the only thing that, we can't really judge things off of is there should be a push to really compliment Damian Lillard if they can this year, but certainly next year.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, man. And I do think that from some of Cronin's comments, he is open to some of those riskier moves. I think that was pretty clear throughout Mm -hmm. that conversation, but I just get, I kind of get back to CJ and man, he's going to be, and love the guy, but damn, I, his, uh, contract and recent production does not exactly make him a desirable trade chip. And when you think about it, he's making like $13 million more than Jeremy Grant. And you're not getting Jeremy Grant production out of him right now. So I don't know how you can move him. Um, then you're talking about some of those guys, like, you know, the small real code nerd moves mm-hmm. to your point. I really think that's about all we're going to see just to, Maybe slide under the cap, get a little more flexibility moving forward. And but you never know. He might try to, in your words, fight for that job and show he's he you know is the right guy for it and try to make something splashy. But I struggle to see the avenues to accomplish that.
2: My my thing with CJ that I start to get worried about is, especially when you're talking about trading him, is he's trending towards a negative trade asset. And it's like mm-hmm. This team needs to make trades to improve this roster. And, you know, this might just be a roster that has Damien Lillard and CJ McCollum on it. I know that's not popular. And I know I don't, like, I don't fully believe that. But, like, the reality of the situation is this team really can't afford to add assets to ship off a negative asset. Like, I, I don't know. You just got to find the right team. And all, all it takes is one. And you know we've been waiting for that one team. I don't know, <laughs> and that's and that's the thing is like it's hard to tell because was Damian or was CJ McCollum never really on the block under Neil O'Shea? Was there ever a team, or is there a team out there? So I'm not really sure, you know how how this progresses on the on the CJ McCollum front. I mean, I think we're back to square one. I I just know this that if he does trend to be a negative trade asset, this team really. Is at a crossroads where they can't really afford to have a roster with him making that much money at that level of production and really try to feel a legitimate contender, level of production and level of versatility or lack thereof. Yeah. Um, and then the other side is like they really can't afford to ship out extra assets to get him off the books. Like you need something for CJ McCollum, and I think that's the issue. Um, it's not fun to talk about, but um, no, I, I think no, that's where it's come at. to terms
1: with it. Yeah,
2: that's all. So. On another pretty serious note, it does look like Well, – we'll wrap things up here. I I want to be very clear, neither Brian nor (laughs) – neither me and Brian are are scientists. But um, COVID has definitely popped up in a big way in the NBA in the last couple weeks. Um, At the time of this recording, I believe there's 20 players across the league that are in the COVID protocols. Um, We've seen teams like the Bulls have some games postponed – Um, the nets, I believe are dangerously close to having to postpone some games. Um, it's not pretty. And what I would expect is the NBA usually has a pretty good feel for stuff like this. Now it does feel like they're a little late to the game on this, but I would not be surprised if some of the COVID protocols are enhanced as far as you're going to see a little more restriction on players who are even fully vaccinated. Um, Brian, is that, is that kind of where you see this thing going? 100%. There's too much money involved to not make a call like that. You
1: know, at some Mm -hmm. point, if, if, you know, bodies keep dropping and guys keep having to go into the protocols, then I think it will get more stringent. And that's just, but the thing is, you know, like the NBA leaves like 94% vaccinated. So Mm -hmm. they're upside as far as what more they can do from, you know, the vaccine or something like that's pretty, pretty minimal. Um, and so, I don't know, man. It's it's tough times. Yeah. I really don't. and even yeah. you, you're seeing the NFL too, right? It's not just the yeah. NBA, the NFL, yeah. the, young, and, the and guys NH- NHL as well. NHL, yeah. It's just unfortunately one of those things we're still dealing with. And mm. it, out of all the out of all the leagues, I think that the NBA will probably, you know, I trust Silver and his team to do the best possible thing given the circumstances. For the most part, They're, they don't have mm. a free pass, but. It'll be interesting to see how things progress and, and I just hope that, you know, we don't have another shutdown or, or anyone gets yeah. seriously ill from, from the
2: virus. I, I don't think it'll get to that, but I do think that there will be some discussions with a guy like CJ McCollum and the players' union or players association and the league to try to, you know, mitigate this as best as possible. Um I also feel like as the NFL season dwindles down and I'm not saying this that I think that the NBA is callous, but I think They're they're a business and they understand when they're in the spotlight and when they're not, um, as the NFL winds down, uh, I think there will be a bigger push to make sure that they have all their loose ends tied up and make sure that they're, you know, that forward thinking league that they market themselves as. Um, so I I think there'll be some changes on the horizon. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that after the new year, I I don't expect to see anything before the holidays. So, um, I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully these players keep staying safe. Hopefully our, our beloved Blazers remained as safe and, and out of the headlines when it comes to this. Um, that's all I got this week. Uh, a lot of trade talk. We might see something. Hopefully we're recording before tonight's game against Phoenix. Hopefully the Blazers win by the, the next time get you a, see let's it. Let's get it talk. So, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's all we got for tonight. Brian, anything before we go?
1: No, hopefully we talk. Uh, Portland doesn't still have the worst road record in the league. that that's a low hanging fruit. Yeah. Come
2: on. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Let's they get. might not have
1: a home game. I haven't. I haven't looked at where <laughs> where, where, where they're playing next week.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been that, that. It's been that type of season, my friend. So, let's just uh, beat the
1: Suns tonight. Come on.
2: Man. Yep. All right, buddy. I'll talk know. to you guys. I'll talk to you later. We'll thank everybody for listening, and and we'll catch you guys
0: next week. See you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Spotify Green Room every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.